then uh, I would encourage you to always stay tuned to WCBN for nothing but the best. And with that, we're now going to shift to a public service announcement about the AT Skate Park. I'll talk to you next week. Peace. Are you a skateboarder, inline skater, or roller skater? Are you looking for a challenging, safe, and legal place to pursue your recreation of choice? Well, listen up. The Ann Arbor Skate Park Action Committee is a nonprofit coalition of skaters, parents, teachers, business, and community leaders dedicated to the development of a public skate park in Ann Arbor. Our mission is to build a free public concrete skate park as a permanent resource for residents in the Ann Arbor area. The skate park will be designed and built by an experienced skate park contractor and include local skaters in the design process. With your help, we can make a skate park in Ann Arbor a reality. For more information, visit www. Good afternoon. I'm T. Hetzel, and you've got Living Writers on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Today, I'm so pleased to be speaking with Leslie Tenorio here in the studio. Leslie, welcome to oh, the program. Thanks Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> um, you know, I think I might just actually use that as the intro song for the program all the time. You should. <laughs> for Or for any event. For any- Weddings, funerals. Exactly. It's good. It's um, Tex managed to find it for us. Thanks, thanks to Tex for engineering. Tex, can you hop on and tell us what the the song title is? Uh, that was from Godzilla versus Mothra, the <laughs> 1992 film. It's interesting that the the Japanese Godzilla scores from the 50s up to you know fairly recently were all written by the same guy. Ooh, the the corner on the market then. Who was the guy? Uh, let's see. I do have the name. I just discovered this. His name is Ifukube. Oh, and and this, he's a genius. He he. That is. That was yeah. amazing. Yeah. Like you said, both soothing and disturbing. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> um, and it's all thanks to Leslie Tenorio that we actually had, uh, text found that song. Um, and his his amazing book of stories, monstrous. Um. Leslie is here in town uh, to do a reading. We're we're taping this show um, on the the sixteenth of March. Yeah, or if is, yeah, is, is this the fifteenth? I don't know. Oh, it's the fifteenth. Fifteenth. 
amount of time. <laughs> I'm in the space time. Time traveling. Exactly. That'll be later on in the program, right, Leslie? Uh, yep. Some Excellent. more of that to come. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll travel to California, to the Philippines. <laughs> to, um, so uh, to start, I'll just read the short bio um, from the back of, of Leslie's book. Leslie Tenorio's stories have appeared in The Atlantic, Zoetrope, All Story, Plowshares, Manoa, and the Best New American Voices, and the Pushcart Prize Anthologies. A winner of the Whiting Writers Award and a former Stegner Fellow at Stanford University, he has received fellowships from the University of Wisconsin, Phillips Exeter Academy, Yaddo, the McDowell Colony, and the National Endowment for the Arts. Born in the Philippines, he currently lives in San Francisco and is an associate professor at St. Mary's College of California. Leslie, correct? Yes. So far, so good. So far, so good. Perfect. Oh, wonderful. And um, and I was reading that you you came over as a seven month old baby from the Philippines. Yes. You were born there. Yeah. But your family moved pretty quickly. So your your memories are much rooted in California. Then in San Diego, is it? Uh, yeah. I, we we first came to uh, Central California to a town called Lemoore, um, near Fresno. Oh, hence hence the. The, the last story in the, the book. The story, yeah, yes. yeah. Um, but then we moved to San Diego when I was about three, and that's that's sort of when I think of childhood. I think of San Diego. Because hmm. is that when the memories start, really? Or as a as a writer, do you have memories before that? Because I think Virginia Woolf says she remembers like uh, being a toddler on her mother's skirts. One of the things that I remember, I feel like, for some reason, I'm convinced that when we were in Lemoore, when I was about one or two years old, I just recall a bird flying through the house. And I don't know if that's real, but I'm convinced that there was a bird flying through the house. And I don't know. What kind of bird was it? Just, you know, the kind of small little bird you might see out in the wild. Those sort of like oh, nameless. Like a sparrow? Anom- like the, or the, mm, oh. I don't know. Maybe, maybe a sparrow. I don't know. Just some kind of, you know, I don't know, dust colored bird. You, and you're like, seriously, it's pre-language when you, this memory anyway, yeah. probably. So why would you remember the name yeah. of the bird? <laughs> maybe I knew, <laughs> maybe I knew the Latin name. <laughs> but. Exactly. Always a gifted child, yeah, Leslie Tenorio. Right. <laughs> I only spoke in Latin growing up. <laughs> so. Um, so, so Leslie, you're here to, you're, you've, um, you, with these wonderful book of stories. Um, when, when did you, like as a, as a, a young man when did you when did you start writing when was this when i know that from reading about you online um it seems like the imagination has always been a powerful force in your your childhood and um and and you write from um a young uh like a a young person's perspective so beautifully as well so thanks it feels truth it feels like truthfully which i know is a weighted word but um so so for you what Tell us about what what were you like as a young writer? When did or when did you start writing? Maybe I shouldn't assume. You know, I didn't. I didn't really start writing. You know, I, I didn't grow up in a house of books. Um, I didn't. I, I read a little bit as a kid, um, but I, I didn't start writing seriously, or I didn't even have the desire to write until maybe my senior year in college. So I feel like compared to a lot of other writers I know, I came to it pretty late. Um, what happened for you in that senior year of college? What what changed things? I took a class with um, a writer named Bharati Mukherjee, um, who was my professor, 
at UC Berkeley, and uh, she was teaching a lecture class on the history of the short story. And I took it as a just to just to fulfill a requirement. I had no intentions of writing, and then I realized, oh, my professor, you know, who's also a professor, is also a writer and very accomplished one at that. And she had a collection of stories called The Middleman and other stories. And I decided to pick it up one night and start reading it, and was kind of blown away by um, this. Uh, Indian American woman writing from the perspectives of so many different uh, kinds of people from different ba different backgrounds, different um, cultural and even political experiences, and this idea of, of sort of stepping outside her own life to imagine someone else's seemed like a pretty daring and you know just mostly just kind of fun endeavor. So I wanted to I wanted to give it a shot, but but more than that, I also realized that. You know, she was she was writing stories and very much committed to the idea of, of, of narrative, but really, you know, she was really trying to make some kind of statements about what it meant to be an immigrant in America. And so I think I was inspired by that. I mean, I grew up in an immigrant family. And so I thought, well, you know, if I can write a short story and, and try to convey, you know, my own powerful political message about what it means to be an immigrant in America, I too can write. Which meant, you know, I was writing a lot of, you know, didactic, you know, politically charged, ultimately crappy stories. Um, but it at least it at least forced me to try. But and, you and you started with those stories right away. Yes, like and they just... were they were bad. Um, but but at least I got them on the page, and and I think and I think you know as 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 maybe as as bad as my judgment was in some of those in some of those instances, my inclination always was to write outside my own experience. Um, so I was writing these these stories from different. Um, immigrant groups, but they started feeling like, you know, immigrant tragedy of the week stories. Um, they could have been on the Lifetime Network, you know. <laughs> and, and, and they still could. And they still, oh God, oh man. I'm already thinking the dollar signs, you know. Um, yeah, maybe, who would star in it? I don't know. <laughs> Melissa Gilbert, maybe. Um, can she do Fil Filipino face, what I guess? Can, what can she do? <laughs> can I know. She... Prairie girl, from Prairie girl to Filipino aristocrat. <laughs> Melissa Gilbert, um, but uh, they were they were bad stories. But they at least gave me the energy to to write, and they they made me realize, at the end of the day, the thing I cared most about was writing these stories. I mean, you know, I, I you know, I, I I got decent grades in college, and I studied, and you know, whatever. But the thing that I cared about were these short stories, and so I figured I got to keep going because I don't really care about anything else as much as I do, you know about yeah. these things and you knew you cared because would tap like hours just um elapse and you wouldn't it's not as if you were aware of the hours going by or or like because or what was it like that caring about it that felt because you cared about them yeah and at the time they probably they weren't there they weren't bad because you knew something was behind them and they also took you in a necessary step to somewhere else yeah right? yeah so so in that sense i mean they, they 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 were obviously valuable to me um but um you know i just they were the kinds of things that i actually lost sleep over because i knew i had a story due the next day and it wasn't that i wanted to i wasn't doing it to fulfill a requirement i was doing it because i cared and because i wanted to have some kind of maybe relationship with with any potential reader. And I wanted to make sure that... You were already thinking about that at that, that time? Read, um, reader, not in terms of publication. Never. Uh, that thought didn't occur to me at all. Um, just, But just the readers in my class 
or my my professor because I took I ended up taking a writing workshop with with Professor Mukherjee. And oh, okay. Just, that and just, happened next. That happened next, and just this idea of like you know I want her to think that I'm saying something and I'm saying it well. Is, so isn't that strange now to think because now you're a professor at St. Mary's. Yeah. Um, do you ever think about that in relation to your own students right now or? Um, I'm thinking about it now. <laughs> now that, now that, uh, <laughs> you know, thanks a lot. Um, no, yeah, I, 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 maybe I do. It's almost maybe this I beautiful do. innocence that you're talking about, like this, this stri- striving and yeah. aw- an awareness of a first audience or. Yeah. I don't, I guess, I guess when I look at it now and, um, you know, I, I, I would never say that my students are writing for my approval or anything, but, but certainly if, you know, if I read something and, and, and if I read something by a student and it's really good, I get really excited and I let them know, you know, I'll pull them aside and say, you did something pretty amazing here. I just want you to know that. And it's, uh, I don't know, I, I, I would think a lot of students um, might find that, um, if not affirming, just, you know, very cool. I did something that somebody thinks is good. Not that my opinion is the ultimate one, but I think anytime you get kind of anytime you get a, a positive response from somebody who's read your work, that's that's a great thing, especially when you're when you're starting out. Mm. And what and so what did happen? And if we're kind of tracing your history for mm-hmm. a, a moment, like after this initial workshop, then did you? Because then it seems like maybe undergrad was almost over since you were a senior when you took the first. Yeah, yeah. What under, undergrad was almost over. Well, I graduated. Um, I tutored for a while, and then I went to, I was talking about this earlier, uh, this was way back in the day when the internet was still a new thing. I was just desperate to find a job, and so I got a job as a receptionist at a company called World Wide Web Inc., and to this day, I don't <laughs> know. almost sounds fake. I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, there's a lot of other fake stuff about that. So they were called World Wide Web Inc. And because, you know, I didn't know anything about the Internet at the time, um, I actually thought it was the headquarters of the World Wide Web. And so I told everybody that, you know, I got a job at the World Wide Web. And I used to, I was the receptionist. <laughs> and I got phone calls. I would say, you know, good morning, World Wide Web Inc. And people would say, are you the Internet? And I'd be like... You know, I think I am the internet, <laughs> and for some reason we got a lot of calls from South America. So I learned to say yo yo no soy el, el internet or something like that. So and we, we even did an infomercial um, that was totally fake because they hired an actor who I'll bet most people say that so um, offhandedly. But there's there's you're so good at working with these American tragedies and 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 finding the intersection of that and humor uh-huh. in your stories. Thanks. That's something that, um, I mean, it seems like it's how you see the world. <laughs> kind of. Is I mean, that your worldview, Leslie? Um, you know, I, I think I'm drawn to things that seem ridiculous or unbelievable um, or silly. And <laughs> World Wide Web. Yeah, World Wide Web Inc. The headquarters. Um, but, you know, I I have to believe that anyone who might find him or herself in these um, seemingly idiotic situations, they must have had at some point good intentions. And and I'm interested in the challenge of that and taking something that might be seen as um, campy um, or 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 just um, light, L I T E, and and trying to trying to find. Um, an emotionally serious entryway into that material. I, I, I like that. And I think it's it, it stems from, um, 
you know, Filipinos, Filipino Americans care a lot about their popular culture. Um, what we might see, like if you watch the Filipino channel, which is this like cable, Filipino cable channel that a lot of Filipinos or uh, some Filipinos um, subscribe to. So you can see what's going on in the Philippines. You see their TV shows, their telenovelas. Um, you know, people, you know, they take that stuff seriously. I, I, from my experience anyway, there's not necessarily a high degree of irony or camp when watching those things. And I certainly remember growing up and watching uh, nighttime soaps with my family. We took that stuff pretty seriously. When Patrick Duffy died on Dallas, when Bobby Ewing died on Dallas, supposedly it turned out to be all a dream. Right. Oh, right. We, right. Were, we were devastated. I remember my sister was just shattered. And, you know, we didn't, you know, part of me thinks, ah, oh, we didn't have the good sense to, to laugh at it. But, you know, but we had maybe the good sense to actually appreciate what to, they were trying to, to do. To feel it. To really feel it. And I can understand, you know, laughing at it. And, you know, I laugh at things all the time. But I don't want to devalue or dismiss any serious emotional response I might have had to those kinds of things. And, you know, I don't know if that that is something that's inherently Filipino or not. Um, that's just part of my makeup. That's part of... Um, that, that's, that's sort of who my family was in a lot of ways. And, um, I think that's sort of my way into some of these stories. You know, sometimes in readings, people ask if, you know, the, are these stories autobiographical? And these stories are so ridiculous that they're not autobiographical. Um, I wish they were, it would mean I have a more interesting life than I do, but they're emotionally autobiographical. The, the, their concerns, um, the psychological and emotional, um, challenges that these characters face those those feel to a certain extent that they came from my life or at least maybe the lives of people that i cared very much about we're going to take a short break leslie and we'll come back and we'll let's pick up there okay um today on living writers leslie tenorio is here his book of short stories monstrous we'll be right back help i need somebody not just anybody Help. You know I need someone Help. When, when I was younger So much younger than today I never, need I never needed anybody's help in any way now, But now these days are gone days I'm gone. not so self-assured Now I find a change my mind And open up the doors
Welcome back. You've got Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel, and today on the program, Leslie Tenorio is here. His book of short stories, Monstress, um, with Echo Press. And I should say a quick shout out to thank Rebecca Urbelis at, uh, at Echo HarperCollins for sending me a copy of the book. And many thanks to Text for Engineering, uh, making the making help come on right at the right moment that was great <laughs> and leslie why did uh, you you chose the songs but that, that that we're we're hearing today what why help what's what figures into the collection <laughs> well one of the stories is called help and it's about um a group of guys who um because the beatles supposedly said something lewd about imelda marcos in this effort to defend um her honor uh, these group of guys get together to to beat up the Beatles before they leave uh, Manila. To um, beat up the Beatles. To beat up the, beat the Beatles, and it's based on a true story. So, yeah, because yeah. it sounds fantastical. Yeah, but it's but it's true. If you if you rent the Beatles documentary um, at the end of one of the uh, installments, um, is it is it Paul or Ringo who says that you know one of them says I hated the Philippines, um, and he says in fact. It's a quote that I, I think I quote from it in the book. Um, he says, because I, I took it from the from the uh, documentary. He says, um, and this was watching the documentary was part of your research, was it? Once it you was. started thinking about the strangeness of this absolutely occurrence. Um, he says, uh, let's see. Oh yeah. Um, I hated the I hated the Philippines. Ringo said bluntly. George and John agreed, smoking before the cameras. But Paul was more introspective. It was one of those places where you knew they were waiting for a fight. He said, and he actually said that. I took that from the documentary. And that was Ringo's continued quote. One of, or did no, Paul was, say that after was, he thought a moment? Ringo says, "I hated the Philippines," yeah, yeah. and then Paul says, "It was one of those places where you knew they were waiting for a fight." Kind of love that quote. It's also like um, the. Because um, isn't there the the famous uh, fight in Manila as well? The uh, the boxing. Yes. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because oh. that's what I started thinking of oh, when I was. Because yeah. I was so interested that. I should write a story about that. Yes. <laughs> in the next, the next election. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the next. Or, or is that already on on deck? Like, do you already? Because um, with this the book of short stories, like mm-hmm. it, they're such they're beautiful like orbs like that are right like in the world and then you collect them in a book yeah. and then so do you have others that are sort of still out there waiting for their um their 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 vehicle their two covers or um i have a couple stories that that are still you know very much in draft form one story that I actually finished that i think hopefully will go into the next book but right now i'm mostly working on a on a novel oh okay yeah. yes but i definitely always have stories you know going on in my head and do you sketch those out, or are those something that your your imagination is doing because it can't help itself, Leslie? Yeah. <laughs> so those stories are being created. Or are you sketching them out or putting them in notebooks? Or um, I have t- I don't. A couple of them I've I've written in, I've written drafts of. Um, the other ideas that I have in my head are just sort of ideas, and I just let them float there. And hopefully I'll I'll remember them when it's time to yeah. to write them. Because does that ever happen to you that something feels so clear and so something is like this like an insight or something, mm-hmm. right? And you think, well, of course. But then the next day you're thinking, but what was that? And what seemed so clear or this character? It seems almost like it's evaporated. Yeah. Or, or no, that no, maybe that doesn't happen. No, that's that's you. pretty much. You know, if I have a process, that's pretty much the process. I'll think something's 
you know, completely genius. And I'll start working on it only the next day to realize, oh my God, this is the dumbest thing ever. But, you know, if I care about it, I commit. I mean, I can look, I mean, I can look through, the, I can flip through this book and I think every single one, you know, through the drafting process, I thought, you know, maybe this just isn't worth salvaging. But if I care about it, then, then I go back to it. The last story in this book, Lamore, California, took on and off, probably took, you know, 12, 13 years to get right. And the reason is because, you know, I mean, the reason it, it took so long because I couldn't get it right, or at least I couldn't get it to a point where I was satisfied. Um, Cause what does that, yeah. What is that feeling like that mean? Like the, the rightness of it? Mm, superficially, it means publication. <laughs> if somebody will give me, you know, if somebody will publish a story, then I say, okay, it's done. Um, <laughs> that's not to say that I can't s still see its flaws in the final draft, but um, I think I just cared about it because I, I felt like there was emotional substance there. Whatever, whatever, if a character is, is somehow suffering, emotionally or if they're caught up in some situation that that seems to have some kind of greater significance um if not to the characters than to me then i think then i develop an attachment to it it's got to have i don't know how else to say it other than that i, I have to care about it because i've certainly written stories um that you know i think one could argue are, are finished and um maybe i don't know maybe even publishable but if I don't really care about it, I just, I, I just, I let it go. You know, I just, you know, make a file on my computer and maybe one day I'll look at it again, but I've got to care about something to keep working on it. And that goes back to that, that almost elusive quality that you were talking about your, your senior year of, of college of mm -hmm. undergrad, where there was something like the stories, they weren't good, but you cared about them and it, you yeah. cared about doing it. Yeah. So that's, there's something that, that, that you just, you're so, that, that is so true for you or so you connect to that, yeah. that so it's how you work and you just know. Yeah. Somebody asked me what writing was like a couple months ago. I think just a friend. Um, and, uh, I think I described writing for me as need based, you know, like a scholarship, a need based scholarship. <laughs> um, writing for me is need based in that if I don't, if I don't write, if I don't finish something, if I don't keep writing it, um, it'll, it'll bug me. It'll bother me. It'll sort of, you know, eat away at my brain and I can't, I can't deal with that. So I have to get it done. I mean, writing, you know, there, there Your are lots of... Your imagination nags you, Leslie. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, I think that's the case. I think, um, um, writing can, of course it can be a pleasurable thing. Um, but it's often, um, it can often feel tedious and boring and lonely. So it's like, well, you know, why, why bother? But you know, if I didn't, if I didn't finish this story or, or whatever I'm working on, and if I care about it, then it's going to bother me. And I, I, I can't stand to be bothered by yet another thing. So if I can at least nip this one in the bud, then, then I'll do it. It's almost like you're a detective of sorts, like trying to find out what this, this artifact is. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good way of looking at it. Now, now I imagine myself in a Sherlock Holmes outfit. I do too. So, okay. well, I'm actually wearing <laughs> one right Leslie. now. I know, so I know. they can't tell, but yeah, I'm wearing one right now. Nice pipe. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> nice pipes. And that kind of thing is the hardest thing for me to write. And I think that's part of the reason why it took so long to write this story. Leslie, can we hear some of it? Then? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, it's, uh, this is a short passage from Lamore, California. And in terms of context, um, a young brother conspires with his much older and beloved sister 
um, to, to sort of orchestrate a special night out for her. They're new to America. She just wants to be like any other teenager. Um, so he helps her sort of sneak out of the house, um, unaware that um, she runs away and basically abandons him. And so here he is. This is him remembering the moment and, and dealing with the aftermath of her running away. Sooner or later, we stop searching. I don't know when. I don't know why. But my parents... My, but my parents decide that we must learn to live this way. And one night at dinner, I find only four settings on the table. If she wants us, she'll call, my father says, scooping rice onto his plate. And just like that, things go back to normal. My father sleeps early again to rest for the next day's work. My mother cooks and cleans. My brother Darwin plays basketball and rides bikes with his friends. The busier we stay, the less my parents fight, the less Darwin bullies me. And soon, school begins again. I'm a third grader now, learning things all the time, that our final states are Alaska and Hawaii, that anything times zero equals zero. One morning, I wake up and my mother tells me, you're nine years old today. Days feel fuller than they ever were, and after dinner, when everyone is tired and almost ready for bed, we gather in the living room in front of the new TV. It's color but still secondhand, and one night, half the picture comes in lines so wavy that they almost hurt my eyes. So I look away toward the window, remembering myself on the other side of the glass, the way I watched my family as they are now, non-moving and silent, their faces blank and glowing blue from the TV screen. We couldn't be truly happy, but somehow everyone rests easy, as if the fact that we are four instead of five is simply a number and not a tragedy. No one even cries, and I can't understand why. I put my head on my knees, close my eyes. Somewhere, Isa is fine without us. Here, we are fine without Isa, and this is the truth that I don't want to know, that the ones who leave and the ones who get left keep living their lives, whatever the distance between, but not me. When I was outside in the night, I watched my family. I knew they were fine. When she thought she was alone, I watched Isa. I listened to her pray. For the rest of my life, I would be like this. It's the difference, I think, between all of them and me. Even when I was gone, I was here. Thank you, Leslie. Oh, thanks. Um, we're going to take a short break, and then we'll come back. We'll talk more with Leslie Tenorio, his book of short stories, Monstress. You've got Living Writers on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. We'll be back. Such a feeling's coming over me There is wonder in most everything I see Not a cloud in the sky Got the sun in my eyes And I won't be surprised if it's a dream Everything I want the world to be Is now coming true especially I can find is the love that I found ever since you've been around. Your love's put me at the top of the world. Some 
trees and the touch of the breeze is a pleasing sense of happiness for me there is only one wish on my mind when this day is through i hope that i will find that tomorrow will be just the same for you and me Welcome back. You've got Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel, and today on the program, Leslie Tenorio is here, his book of stories, Monstrous. And we just had a little Carpenters there. Yep. And Leslie and I were talking, uh, uh, listening to the, the song, and um, Leslie, will you will you fill in the listeners about this this tone? You said that, that, that she captures in her voice in this moment. Yeah. You know, I, I, I understand that there's... um sort of like a retro appreciation for the Carpenters, and, and rightfully so. But, um, you know, in their moment, they were... But they are also mocked as well. Of course, yeah. I mean, total cheese. Um, but I, I grew up in the Carpenters, and I didn't know that they were supposed to be kind of a, a an apple pie, cheesy kind of white bread thing. Um, so I always loved them. So when you say that, like, was it on the family's turntable in the yes. living room? Or, yeah, okay. the eight track, all that oh, stuff. The eight we, track. Yeah, okay. we had all yes. that. Um, but you know, Top of the World is probably my favorite Carpenter song because it's, you know, it's so buoyant and bouncy and happy. But um, when you really listen to just Karen Carpenter singing, um, that there's that there's that line, um, there's only one wish on my mind, when the day is through, I hope that I will find that tomorrow will be just the same for you and me. When she sings, it's such a, it's such a you know, optimistic sentiment. Um, but when she sings the word same, she sings that word same in a way that is just sort of um, filled with a kind of ache. And of course, Karen Carpenter's story now is, is very famous and it's a, it's, it's tragic. Um, but you, you can just hear amidst the, uh, the uh, kind of uh, joyful tune um, and rhythm that just kind of sad, sad um, tone in her voice. And I've, I've often, I've, I've literally, you know, played that on iTunes and just sort of gone back and forth between the way she says, she sings the word same. And I've thought, you know, if my book had a musical score to it, I would just want it to be the way she sings the word same. Because it's, it's so, on the surface, it's, it's um, happy, but beneath it all, it's just, it's so troubled and, and uh, complex and challenging. Yeah, and, it's, and that aching. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah, and I think so. You know, even though on the surface my stories um, can be seen as as whimsical, um, I'm hoping that readers can also see something um, emotionally substantial and 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 dark and and um, and serious. And 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 that's what if that's has that been? I imagine that's the response you've been getting, Leslie. I mean, I, uh, from from people, the, mm-hmm. the right that they are seen. They are, or they are feeling like the empathy that that you, as the writer, you are um, opening that up for the reader. Yeah, and so I've, 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 you know, people have told me, and and I've read some reviews that describe the book as 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 pretty dark, um, and I'm I'm fine with that. Um, in in some ways, it's a, in some ways, it's maybe uh, I, I kind of hate the word, but maybe it's a kind of affirmation that. Um, to some extent, I accomplished what I'd hoped to do, which was to bring um, a serious uh, 
tone or a serious um, shed a serious light on um, or an emotionally complex light at least on these stories that might seem um, outrageous or silly mm-hmm. which they are on one level and I, I appreciate them on that level but I can also appreciate them on, uh, on a level that you know hopefully um, suggests a kind of empathy mm. you know? well like you were saying before Leslie with these and and maybe with the, the piece of the story that we just heard with um, this 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 genuine uh, like this earnestness like you have a different vulnerability uh-huh. in that story and maybe that um, whereas you had these these constructs that you know were already like either playful strange or um, interesting in, in some way like the um, the 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 monster the making the monster films mm-hmm. in the title story monstrous right like this um, which sort of gives you like you it draws people to it right? in right. a way and then you can show them something that they thought they were expecting something else like oh this is the bar this is the deal we're yeah. gonna sort of be poking fun of these monsters at these monsters or these these people's you know dreams of Hollywood stardom or whatever it is yeah. and then instead it's this 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 story about a couple. Right. Yeah. And their love story and what happens to it without yeah. them even knowing. Right. Right. And that's what's edited out. Or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's 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 the challenge that I that I like um, is uh, you know giving giving something um, or, or 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 laying out a story that that seems um, to have one kind of tone. Um, and hopefully revealing other kinds of tones. Like the same of yeah. Karen Carpenter's Oh, there we same, go. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 that, that's, yeah, absolutely. I wonder if you could stretch, like literally capture that sound, because you said on iTunes you would listen to it. I would just sort of go, yeah. I wonder if you, God, it would probably drive you mad though, but if you put the, <laughs> probably like, would. <laughs> same, yeah. same. Like, I mean, same. I obviously am not doing it justice, but... <laughs> Yeah, but I or stretching that quote, like how she does what she does with her her voice there, the register yeah. of it. Um, yeah, it's so beautiful. It's just it's just very beautiful and sad, and um, maybe that's what I'm striving for in my stories. And and getting hopefully that'd be nice. I think I, I mean at least as one reader, um, I know I have to sort of um, read as sometimes catches catch can these store the stories and I finished monstrous when I was actually in the office and before the phone rang for my next appointment with a student and it was the strange experience of being <laughs> so in your other world that you created Leslie and then suddenly and and very sad at the end not I because we didn't you didn't read monstrous so I don't mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you want us to talk about it or it's hard to talk sometimes I feel like it's hard to talk about the end of the story because you don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't read it yet <laughs> spoiler alert yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly um so, so I suppose this could be a spoiler alert so turn off the radio for a moment if you uh need to um but this moment of being so sad as um you, you're your um uh Riva Gogo uh-huh. uh, when she is it's thinking about this kind of realizing she's having this epiphany about this her her love checkers who's mm-hmm. back in the Philippines and and just this moment of being in that and then 
this other world and then you have to talk with someone about one of the essays they're writing oh right. <laughs> and just being thrown back into the world of work and what you have to do you know sounds like a natural transition <laughs> no i was trying i was actually trying not to cry as i was oh. walking down the hall to me because it is it's that that so you you're doing that in these stories like these almost fantastical or silly or everything times zero equals zero like these uh-huh. moments where there's it it's like they're they're fun it's it's also funny because it's oh you can it brings you back to your own childhood i remember that moment this is authentic or this is funny like this recognition how humor works in that way right right um but there is a certain different vulnerability i mean there's a vulnerability obviously in monstrous Mm -hmm. as well but then there's a whole different vulnerability in lamore california yeah and and so how could I guess what I'm trying to ask is something strange. Like, could there be a book with these stories in it that would work for you? Like, would would that still feel true to what you're doing? Like, entertaining to, you know, how you're describing this book, Leslie? Uh Is that possible with maybe a collection of short stories Mm -hmm. like Lamore, California? Or is that just a... Not a good question. So, <laughs> so the, 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 I'm sorry. The question is: Could there be a book of short stories that uh, you wrote that was uh, yours and that felt like that feeling you have when you care about it, where they were with this Lamore, California? So, without the constructs of the leper oh, I colony, see, I see what you're or saying. The, or I see. Th- um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I really do rely on these outlandish circumstances and i think it's because you know well i uh, what i'd said before i feel like my 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 first i don't know maybe even most important job as a writer if i'm going to want people to read my book is that i entertain them um i'm not calling myself an entertainer <laughs> but Vaudeville, look out. <laughs> liza minnelli um I, I'm, I'm i have jazz hands right now um in your sherlock yeah. holmes outfit <laughs> One of the most disturbing sights ever. It's a strange image we create. <laughs> that oh, I wish that were my author photo. Um, but uh, you know, I'm 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 drawn to these outlandish situations. So if I'm going to have to write, I want to keep myself entertained, and I think I'm entertained by at least uh, uh, on the on the out on the on the outset onset. I'm not sure what the word is. Um, I want these outlandish circumstances to to work with because it's it's fun. I mean, you know, I don't. I I I'm not good about writing about my own life. I'm not good at writing about you know the realist situations. That's not to say that there aren't good books out there that do that because obviously there are, and I admire them tremendously. I just I don't know how to entertain myself by writing about things like that. Yes. So it's like actually making, setting up this, creating this world is part of what your imagination needs to fuel the things that you know also to be true, like these feelings or yeah. what makes us human or, or so. Yeah. Um, but then it, it, that's, it's fueled by that. Yeah. So like, like for example, um, you know, recently this got a lot of news coverage. Um, there were the prisoners in the Philippine prison who, for exercise, would choreograph dance routines to Michael Jackson songs. Um, I remember it was on CNN. I was thinking, this is, a, I can do something with this. And one day I do hope to write a story about that. I haven't come around to it, but I love, to me, that would be so, inter- that would be so much fun to try to write. But the challenge, of course, is how do I bring this situation? How do I bring to this situation 
emotional weight? How do I make people? How do? How can I? How can I get readers to 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 take this ridiculous situation? How do I? How do I get them to look at it seriously? Um, and so it's a matter of, you know, here I've got the situation potentially anyway. If I write it, prisoners in a Filipino jail dancing Michael Jackson it, dance routines. It seems like silver platter. Yeah, <laughs> I know <laughs> exactly like the Brady Bunch silver platter. Um, but um, but uh, you know, yeah, I just think who are the people who might occupy this 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 space? Who who are the people who find themselves in this situation that they want to or need to? do a dance routine to Michael Jackson when they're in prison. I want to see who, the, I want to find out who that person is. So you immediately move to character then. I do, but it takes a long, long time to figure out that character. Character for me is the hardest thing. I know a lot of writers who, who just start with character. They're, they're, they, they just have a, a, a particular uh, psych, psyche or persona um, in their heads and proceed from there. I often rely on situation, and then I try to ask myself, who who would occupy the situation, and how can I make that experience meaningful? And how does it start coming to you then, Leslie? When you're seeing like, so you're, you're you must picture something either. So when you're thinking about it, are you thinking about the prison cell, or are you actually out in an exercise? Maybe it's a part where there's the fence, or where mm -hmm. is that what you're doing? And then you're waiting in some ways to see who walks into it. Or what do you, yeah, I think I'm, I'm trying I'm to sure find this is probably so abstract. It's no, 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 about. no. And, and obviously it's different story to story. But I think um, looking at the stories in this book, I can remember times when, you know, I had a very specific situation. And then I think, OK, who which participant, you know, in this situation which participant is going to be the one I focus on? Uh, so for the making of a really bad horror movie, yeah, is it from the point of view of the director? Is it from the point of view of the actress, the leading Checkers lady? Leaves. Right. And I tried writing it from Checker's point of view, and it didn't work. He was too close to the situation. He was too... Not that it couldn't have worked from his, from his point of view, but I needed someone who was a little more distant, who might have a little bit more objectivity, but was ultimately as emotionally invested for her own reasons into the situation. So I thought, okay, maybe, maybe it's not the director, but it's the director's leading lady who gets caught up in the scenario. We're going to take a short break and then we'll be back to hear more. Another part of our conversation with Leslie Tenorio, his book of short stories, Monstrous with Echo. Um, you're listening to Living Writers. We'll be right back. Oh, great. Oh, great. <laughs> great. Cheetah! 
Welcome back. If you're just tuning in, I'm glad you did. Today on the program, we've got Leslie Tenorio here. His book of short stories, Monstress, um, out with Echo, an imprint of HarperCollins. Um, I'm T. Hetzel. And again, thanks to Tex for engineering. And many thanks to Leslie Tenorio oh, for you. being here. Thank you so much. This has been really fun. We were just saying that like the time was whizzing by. Like It's just going so quickly. I know. I want to <laughs> go another hour or two. Or... So you will, you'll call in sometime yeah, we'll do it I'll be over the calling the phone. guy <laughs> yeah i'll phone it in <laughs> exactly and we pick the, and, the, and you'll pick more songs yeah it'll be great we can have this whole well you mentioned um because well we've sort of mentioned a few things like current projects and you are you're working on a novel now mm-hmm. and so what um i also i know this it could be i was looking up when because you you received like a grant from the nea mm-hmm. the national endowment of the arts and um and so on their website there's a piece and before i realized i don't know why before i realized it was the nea sign uh-huh. i was like um leslie is making a very good point where you said how necessary extended periods of uninterrupted time to write think about and live these stories yeah was to your creation yeah and i know in a certain um in a certain way, you you might be saying this, Leslie, because you're thanking the NEA for the the time, mm-hmm. right? But I also felt like it, it is interesting choice, like you how necessary, not just important, but necessary, um, the periods of uninterrupted time to write, think about, and live. Mm-hmm. So, um, how is how is that working for you in your current producing? Like, are you able to take time because you're also, as we've talked about. You're teaching at, yeah. at St. Mary's in, in California. Um, right. Yeah, I, I teach at St. Mary's College, California, full-time. Um, and right now, I'm in the midst of, you know, trying to promote this book and getting it out there. And so, you know, I've, I've had very little, if any, time to think about or to work on the novel. But I was I was on sabbatical last year, all last year, for, I think, like, total of like 13 or 14 maybe even 15 months it was crazy and yeah and in that time i was able to get out of uh, a, f- a first draft um which is very 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 rough um so you know i'm i'm now waiting for that next extended period of time to really um focus on it and to really live in that you know to, to live in that space when i'm just you know it's just me at my desk um that's when that's when i'm most focused and that's when uh I'm not, my head is not so crowded with, with all the other stuff. So, um, so, you know, when I, when I said that on, on, uh, for, for the NEA website, um, I meant it, it really did allow for uninterrupted, um, time. Cause I actually took the semester off from teaching 
um, which the NEA allowed me to do. Um, and, um, and I got, I got some good, I got some good work done. Um, and so I, I, I definitely rely on these long stretches of, of time to, to focus. And, and what does it mean to, when you say to like, to live this, the story or the, the novel, the, yeah. the story of the narrative to live? Yeah. I think it's to just a sort of, you know, to think only about that particular cast of characters, that particular situation you know these stories took me a long time to write and it's because when i write a story i'm really much immersed in that universe i'm thinking about um i'm i'm, I'm only thinking about those characters i'm only thinking about um their relationship to to uh those situations i'm thinking about things um in sentences story and i'll think okay if, if i were this particular character what are the things that i would be noticing if i were if i were this character going on for this particular walk um you know and i'm not trying to make it sound like i don't know method acting or whatever it's called um but that 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 i for me that's that's what it is to to, to live with characters and to live um in those situations um they require all my all my writing focus. I, I, you know, I just, I, I, I need time to be able to, to pay attention only to those things, only to those particular circumstances. Um, so I'm, I'm, you know, anxious to, to get back to the novel, um, in, you know, in the space of, of, of uninterrupted time. Because you care about it now, like that necessary component. Yeah, you believe in it. You, it's something so your imagination will begin nagging you. Yeah, yeah, and it's also under contract, so I have to. <laughs> so the other thing that's nagging a little me. Pressure. <laughs> yeah. That's just yeah. No, but my my uh, the echo has been really really wonderful to me. So um, I I'm I'm glad to 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 owe them something. You know. Does it? Oh, but does it feel? Ah, oh, does it feel like that? Um, you know, that's sort of a, uh, it's kind of a crass way to put it. Um, well, no, no, I think, well, but, well, no, I just may, I feel like it makes it hard. Like if you're, cause if you're in a universe, uh-huh. right, that might be hard to grapple with too. That, right. That sense that might, like, instead of it being a student voice, that's inter- interrupting right. the thought. Um, for me, it's mostly, uh, that's, that's motivation. I mean, and they, they haven't been nagging me or anything. Um, but it's just, in case you're listening, yeah, in case you're listening, uh, they haven't been nagging or anything at all. They've been nothing but encouraging. Um, but I kind of, I, I like this idea. It, it, it's basically a kick in the pants, you know, whereas, and I, I loved being in a workshop for, for many reasons, but it was also, you know, you had a deadline. Mm-hmm. You had, you know, they kicked your butt in the term in terms of getting that thing done. Um, and, uh, so how do you, do you put false deadlines on yourself sometimes now or, or not false, but do you create them and then put them on a calendar? I, I, and... I create deadlines in my head and I, I often do not meet them. Um, but it helps just to have them knowing that, you know, I'm going to have to keep going beyond the deadline. It's, it's, it seems like so much of you is, um, the imagination, like even like your calendar is stored in the, like, I almost feel like you have a, a place for it in your mind that you can see. I do. And I, I need to get, I need to actually commit to a real calendar, but I store all my dates in my head and it's terrible. Cause I've been, I've been making, uh, you know, I've been, uh, I have all these obligations that are happening on the same date and, uh, I think I'm starting to make people mad, so I need to. I need to. So if you happen to have a spare calendar that I could use, 
Because I, 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 you know, I have a calendar on my computer and on my phone, but for some reason I don't believe that it's real. So I need like a, <laughs> I, it's like, I don't believe that it will actually work as a calendar and work to remind me of things. I need an actual calendar. So I don't know why I don't go out and buy one, but I, I don't know. Maybe I'm afraid to. That I actually think I have a defensive wildlife calendar. If only I had known. Like, oh, I, could, oh, I would like take actually that. the old school calendar that you would hang up. Oh yeah, I would put, totally like, take with a that. Pen. Yeah, I should just go to like a Bank of America because don't they give away <gasps> like you know coastal landscapes or something? That would be great. You know? or, yeah, or, or yeah, or birds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> majestic birds. <laughs> or birds that fly through your house when you're <laughs> yeah three years old. I still or... want to find out what kind of bird that was maybe it was a condor <laughs> some giant something with a wingspan that would yeah maybe someone was killed <laughs> for all i know that would be memorable yeah there would be instant tension right that's a story yeah. that's a story Re- recovered memory maybe we'll have a recovered memory on the show oh my gosh <laughs> yeah what are you what are you really afraid of leslie <laughs> what is it the california condor <laughs> maiming someone in my family maybe that's my big fear it's haunting it's haunting (laughs) um and which reminds me when you were saying about this the um the story out of um the philippines for the prison and Uh and michael jackson's song yeah um it comes back to what i think the the fight was called the thriller in manila that's it the thriller in manila yeah that's that's muhammad ali yeah and and who was it george foreman no who was it texas jumping on maybe it was george clooney I think that one was Joe Frazier. <gasps> Joe Frazier. That makes yeah. I may okay. be wrong. Though. No, I would I would bet more on text yeah. on this one than than us right yeah. now, right? Because I was going to say George Michael <laughs> from Wham. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, no. No, thanks a lot, Leslie. Muhammad now, Ali versus Wham. <laughs> oh, both of them. Yeah. <laughs> so it would be Andrew Ridgely. Ridgely, Andrew Ridgely. <laughs> How are we coming up? With, oh, my gosh. oh, now I know. Now I know my next book. <laughs> I think yeah, Muhammad Ali versus Wham. That could be. I could see like the image for that book. Yeah. I mean, right now that your book is is beautiful with like a and sort of an upside down an upside another down bird. bird. Yeah. Oh yeah. Maybe this was the bird that flew through my house. It it very well could be. I never thought about that. God, how did they know? <laughs> Amazing. It just connected. Actually, I have. This is sort of a strange question. Now, now we're going off the deep end, folks, aren't mm-hmm. we? Leslie Tenorio as Sherlock Holmes as. Frasier. As Frasier. <laughs> the thriller. Yeah, yeah. Um, in, in the acknowledgments, Leslie, oh. you, you say like, um, it, like you're kind of giving the shout out to the folks at Echo uh, HarperCollins. Uh-huh. And then you say um, it turned uh, like the stories, like turned them into a book. And yeah. I wonder, were you just talking about the physical object or we, was there something about w- like why Monstrous is the, the lead story and why Lamore, California is the final story. Yeah, because you're the one. I guess what I wanted to say was your book, Leslie. Uh-huh. Your book. Yeah, my book. <laughs> they, yeah, I really do think they turned it into a book. And not just, I mean, obviously the physical object, which which I love, um, but my editor, um, his name is Lee Boudreau, she, who is so wonderful and so smart and so funny and just sharp. This is a love when, letter. Yeah, right. <laughs> when she, um, you know, very naively, I thought, okay, well, all these stories have already been published, so I'll give her the collection. There's probably not too much work to do. Um, but she had suggestions. Um, and, you know, she didn't force them on me, but she, she would have these questions that really made me think about, you know, you know how effective the stories were in their current shape. And, and while the stories are still they're the same stories, I think she just she made me you know really look at certain scenes and and 
and ask myself if they really were necessary, if they were really lending themselves toward what I was going for. Um, and so there was this, there was, you know, the editors that I worked with on these stories, um, some of them were, were, were demanding and they, 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 they really made me, they made me change a lot. Um, my editor didn't make me change anything, but, you know, she asked, you know, we had these discussions that really made me think about what it was I wanted these stories to do. And, um, I think she helped me make them better. I really, really do. And, and to me, that's, that's the book. It's not sure it's, it's a collection of stories, but to, to put them all together, you know, in one little house, I want them to, I wanted them to be better than I thought they could be. And I, and hopefully I think she, if it, if I did get to that point, it's, she helped me do that. Well, it's a wonderful book. Thank you, Leslie. Oh, so thank much you so for much for talking with me today and being on Living Writer. Oh, this was super fun. I had a great time. You're welcome. Any any time, come come back. Okay? I will. And um, you've you've been listening. Thanks to you all for listening out there. Um, uh, you've been listening to Living Writers. Um, Leslie Tenorio, his book of short stories, Monstrous. I'm T. Hetzel. Until next time. This is Free Speech Radio News for Wednesday, May 2nd, 2012. In Los Angeles, I'm Dorian Marina. Coming up, President Barack Obama outlines plans to continue the war in Afghanistan. In Myanmar, pro-democracy leader Aung San Suu Kyi takes the oath of office to join parliament, ending more than two decades of exclusion by military rulers. And we'll go to India, where a series of abductions has rekindled the debate on the Maoist movement and the government's military response. Those stories and more, but first, this news. I'm Jess Burns with headlines for FSRN. Israel has closed an investigation into an incident during the 2009 Gaza War where shelling killed 21 members of one Palestinian family. According to the human rights group B'Tselem, the family had been instructed to remain indoors by Israeli military forces. After the attack, which caused the house to collapse, Israel would not allow the injured to be removed for two days, and the dead were left in the rubble until after the conflict.